Well, good morning, good morning. It is a good morning. As you know, I like to encourage you guys to read the Word. And to, after, in the light of today's message, I would encourage you to read Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. And also, encourage you to be praying and asking for the Lord to maybe bring someone to your life and give you empowerment maybe to, to share the word with someone, to share the gospel. And if you'd like, we have little tracks out there in the foyer. As soon as you walk out, you go to your right, you'll see on the, right on the wall, there's a, the Roman road and also another one that says how to have peace with God. Fantastic ways of even just learning how to do it yourself, right, and what to do. And it's just a good encouragement just to have in, in our own lives to remember that. Well, let's now go to the Lord in prayer and just ask Him to bless our time. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, before your word. We ask that you convict us of our sins, Lord. We're very good at hiding our sins and trying to justify them. You're very good lawyers on that, Lord. Break through that. Break through it so we can see where we are and see our desperate need of you constantly. And God, I also pray that you help us to stop trying to carry our sins to you as if we have to earn our place before you. Help us, Lord, to just release them, let them go, drop them. Because you brought the cross to us. You came to us with open hands. And you are the one that carries all those burdens. You're the one that has given us victory over our sins. There's nothing in us, Lord. It's all on you. Help us to just rely upon you. And God, now I ask that you just then uplift us in your grace and your mercy and your rest and your love. And remind us that it's all going to be okay in you. And that you love us, even though we fail you every day. And fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can live the faith consistently out before you and before all men so that you will shine bright everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, so, you know, our, this gospel message, you know, is, it's good news, right? It's the good news. It needs to be on our minds all the time. There's so much bad news. Let's get, keep reminding of the gospel because it's good news. You know, and, and it's good news for, for so many reasons. You know, it says that we have now true forgiveness and true hope and true peace and true rest. All from this broken, exhausting world full of sin and death, we can have peace now and hope. You know, the, the gospel is so good that it's truly the absolute rescue that we all need. The rescue we all are ultimately looking for, we find it all in Jesus. You know, he, Jesus came to this earth out of love, out of the love of God for sinners. Right? We weren't good enough, but he came and he loved us. We are sinners who deserved his eternal wrath, his eternal punishment. And yet Christ came to place all that wrath and condemnation upon him in our place simply by trusting in him. That's it. Christ came on this rescue mission to free us from this from the, this tight grip of this dark prison that this world has us trapped in. He came to rescue us from bearing the weight of the world and its worries and its fears and its anger. 
He came to give us freedom from it. And, and, and that alone itself is good news, right? That's his good news. Like, that's great. But the wonder is that this good news doesn't just stop there. For it also, within this great mission of rescuing us and saving us from this world's control upon us and saving us from God's wrath, the eternal wrath and justice for our sins, which is just that in itself is just mind-blowing, that there's no condemnation on us anymore. That's it. We're done. There was also something else that he came to rescue us from, too, that sometimes we forget. He came to rescue you from yourself. One theologian said, beware of no man more than yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. And if you're like, well, wait a minute. What is that kind of like maybe my opinion? Or like, John, do you have like self-esteem issues? Like, <laughs> of course I do. I'm a sinner. I need of grace all the time. But that's not why I bring this up. For the word of God has stated that, yes, the devil is the great deceiver. Yes, the world and its ways are inspired by him and influenced by him to break us down and trap us in our sins. But man's kind ultimate issue is himself. For our own heart, as Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's talking about you and me. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? We don't even understand it. Or Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, from within, out of the heart of man comes Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Now, yes, you know, Satan is the great deceiver and set up this world to pursue evil, to make sinful and and, uh, to pursue this world to continue in sinful things. But ultimately, sin comes from us. We do the sinning. And because we are sinners, we could not and cannot rescue ourselves from our sins that deserve to be punished. But the good news says that Christ came to give us true rescue. Rescue from the power of sin in our life. By living the very life that we could not live, perfection. And dying the death that we deserve. He paid the full debt of sins that we owe, past, present, future. And then he came back to life, something that we could never do, to give us eternal life by having faith in him and faith in his performance on our behalf. Now, In today's passage, Paul is going to get pretty descriptive here then of what we were before we knew Christ and what he rescued us from, right? Us, ourselves. So our title today is Christ is our complete rescuer. And I'm going to be very honest with you. It is very disheartening to see the truth of what we were before we knew Christ. It is hard to take in because I know so many people that don't know Jesus. And what is stated here in our text is a description of what 
they are trapped in and doomed to without Jesus, what we were doomed to without Jesus. But also at the same time that, it, that it's very uh, somewhat sobering to see what people are without Christ, it's also uplifting to see how great of a Savior we have then. How truly we have then been freed from the power of sin and death in our life and how he has changed our dead hearts by faith alone in him. Has, you know, he has changed us to see, even though we forget it much, at least I know I, I forget it a lot, to see how there's no need to place our trust in anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ. For he is our Savior and he has taken care of everything for us solely by faith in him. So when we look at this text today, be encouraged then and see it as Paul just revealing how free you are now in Jesus Christ wherever you go. That even though our life circumstances may seem like we're trapped, I know we think that a lot, at least sometimes I do, we are, we are not because we have been freed by faith in Christ. And by faith in Christ alone, we live as God's free servants now in whatever situation that we are in. Just like Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, live as free or live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Freedom is not so much a physical thing, whether that means even if your physical bodies that are breaking apart. Mine is, I get migraines. Oh. Or some, it's not just some concept, but true freedom for us, which we have, is a relationship with Christ in all things. Freedom is simply placing our faith in Christ for everything, relying upon him for everything, always keeping him in focus and his gospel message of grace all by faith in him to remind us that we are truly free. Freedom is not something we do. Freedom is something we are. But let's look at the text of Ephesians chapter 4 then, verses 18 through 20. So Paul now, in this immediate context, Paul is going is encouraging the Ephesians to live more and more by faith in Jesus that they already have, and that Jesus wants to do it more, do it more, to continue to stop looking to themselves or anything else in this world. So Paul said right before, to set this up, right, so we can go on this train of thought, in verse 17, right, we're going 18 through 20, but we're going to say 17 here. Now, I, now this I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. And now Paul moves to say here what the Ephesians were. It's really descriptive what they were before they knew Christ or what non-believers are, people who don't trust Jesus by faith. He states then in verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Paul is saying, look, without faith in Christ, there is just permanent darkness in how mankind understands everything in this world. When you take Jesus out of the picture, there is no glimmer of light or hope. And this brings us to our first point. He rescued us from rejecting, from, the, from our rejection of God. All people that you see now in the world, out in the world, who don't have faith in Christ, 
you need to realize that all their interactions, all their conversations, all their values, all their goals, even how they go about establishing their own families. We're talking about everything here, okay? All of it, if they don't have Christ, is shrouded in darkness. Or put differently, all of it is based in sin and will end in sin. No matter how good it may seem on a practical level, so even though many in this world try to fix this world's tragedies, trying to overcome challenges that many face on a personal level or on a full world level, trying to affect all people for the seemingly their betterment. If they're not in Christ, if they're just, just because they run after justice and run after peace and run after hope, doing what they can to fix relationships between people, educating the uneducated to bring enlightenment and prosperity to, to maybe the poor. Paul is saying this eye-opening truth that all of it comes from sin and ends in sin without Christ. And that is hard to take hold of because that is radical to this world. But sin, which is what the darkness is, everything mankind does is infected by sin. Or put differently, Paul is saying here, if you do not have Christ in your life, you do not pursue the things of God and only pursue the things that lead to more sin in your life. Look, Paul's just saying bluntly, mankind's understanding is now geared in such a way that they do not follow the ways of God, no matter who they are, no matter what religion they may say, or non-religion, or what philosophy, or what positive thought they may have. They do not think or say or do things to bring the glory to God, but only glory to self, to man. So do they do good things, though, you might ask? Well, yeah, sure, like not murdering or helping the sick. Of course, that, that, that's good. Do they do good th- such things as fight discrimination and, and, and fight, uh, fight trafficking? Of course. But Paul is not, Paul's not saying that people don't do good things. But even these good things, if they don't have faith in Christ, come from sin and end in sin. They are darkened in their understanding for it's not for the glory of God, but for the glory of man. That's the difference. I know that's hard to take in. But remember, we have been freed from this world and freed from ourselves. So this is why it's so important to keep are focused on Christ rather than ourself or anything else in this world. Because what Paul is telling us here is really radical stuff that flies in the face of everything that the media wants to tell you. And flies in the face even of the way we think. There is no true hope. There is no true peace. There is no true love. There is no true justice with out Christ. There is no ultimate good for you and your kids without Christ. There is no final rest in this world for you or your loved ones without Christ. 
There is no security in this world to plant your life in without Christ. There is no Savior outside of Jesus Christ. When mankind fell in the Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world through seemingly just a small, tiny little action, it must have maybe been hungry people, right? That gut gets me in trouble. That small action brought devastating consequences to all of creation and to mankind. The corruption of sin overtook everything, even our hearts and minds. The way we view things and understand things. So think of it this way, okay? Think of it this way. Whatever path of life that is taken in this world, I don't care how righteous it may seem, I don't care how much good was accomplished on a practical level. If you do not have Christ, it will only lead to sin and will only bring about sin. For without Jesus in our life, we are darkened in our understanding in and of this world. And this is what Jesus came to rescue us from. He came to rescue us from ourselves. Because we couldn't do it, and we couldn't see it, because we didn't want to see it. We were darkened in our understanding. And Paul expands as to why we only sin if we don't have faith in Christ. He says people without faith in Christ are, continuing in this passage, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Paul here is really laying it in. It says the world of non-believers are alienated, meaning separated. They are in a different category that's not neutral to God and his ways. Paul says there is a massive separation between man and God without faith in Christ. And notice that the separation that Paul highlights is not just separation from God, but from the life of God. There is a full separation of life that God gives, the immortality that he provides, a full separation from his power to enable us to live fully before him for his glory in all things. This is all religions, everything. Without Jesus, it comes from not. There is no life over there, just death. Think of it this way. Non-believers are not only separated from God on a relational level, right? They don't know Him. But they're also separated from having eternal life. They are ignorant of the true freeing life that God provides. Ignorant of seeing Him and willfully and joyfully acknowledging Him alone as the source of everything. And sadly and quite strikingly, Paul says this ignorance is not an in, uh, one of innocence or simply saying, well, I didn't know. Or I just wasn't smart enough to figure it out. I'm just wasn't smart enough to figure out that God is the provider of everything, that he was the source of eternal life. I didn't know. There is no excuse like that on judgment day. No, Paul says the reason people are ignorant of seeing God as the source of everything as the source of true life, is that at the end of verse 18, he says, due to the hardness of their heart. Mankind has willful ignorance. 
meaning we choose to ignore, choose to not give him the glory, the honor, and the trust that he deserves. Our hearts are hardened towards him. Mankind, before we knew Christ, our hearts were hardened saying to God, stay out, we want nothing to do with you. The God of the Bible, gone. We'll make some other God. We'll make some other thing. We'll make ourselves God. Not you, though. We'll control what you do. We'll be in control. See, on a side note, when you speak to people about the Lord and they reject him, and they say things like, there's no proof for God, or whatever, just put what in there, Know from this text, the reason people reject God and his ways or reject the gospel is ultimately never based in an intellectual issue. I wish it was. It's never that you were not smart enough or witty enough to answer the questions being given to you about the gospel and the Bible. The text states that it's always ultimately a heart issue. They just don't want to believe. And that's heartbreaking. So, but here's the thing. Never worry about not being smart enough or well-read enough or well-read enough to tell someone about the Bible, about, about Jesus, about the gospel. Oh, sure, I mean, do whatever you can, right, to learn and do about Bible, to learning about the Bible and learning about our arguments for the existence of God, but never let that hinder you from not sharing the Lord with someone if you see an opportunity or feel led. How many times, I know how many times I have felt inadequate and I've walked the other way. See, for the, the issue with the non-believer is their hearts towards God. Whether they admit it or not, and Christ came to rescue us from ourselves, to remove our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. And, this, and it's his gospel message of grace that saves us and others. So always give the gospel to all. No matter what it is, it's always the good news that they need and we need. And you just give it. God's the one that does the changing. We don't. We're just messengers. So anyways, up to this point, we, we, we're, we're understanding that Jesus has come to save us from our hard-heartedness towards God. He has come to give us life. The life that we didn't have in ourselves, and in, in, an eternal life that we could never have without Him. Christ came to rescue us, and if we have faith in Christ, we have been fully rescued from ourselves. Rescue to stop looking to ourselves for anything and look to him for everything. See, because life without Christ makes life all about you. The pride of self becomes the center rather than Christ. Without Christ, everything is all about self ultimately and never about the other. But if we have Christ at the center, we have become free to serve and love the other. Here's why. Because without Christ, we don't have anything, so we need everything. But with Christ, we have everything, and we have been freed 
to give away everything. So Paul here then, again, reminds us of what we were before we knew Jesus so we can see how truly free we are now in Jesus and how he has truly rescued us from ourselves. He continues in his description of non-believers or what we were before we knew Jesus in verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. See, prior to knowing Jesus, non-believers have no feelings in their hearts. They are callous. There is no sensitivity in them. Now, some of you I know would probably say, well, wait a minute, does that mean they don't have emotions? Are they like robots? Like, no, 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 no. They have emotions. We all had emotions. You had emotions before you came to know Jesus. What, it, what, what, what we're getting at here, or what Paul is getting at, is that what, what it means is that they don't care about what God thinks of how they live. No true feelings that matter eternally. They're just for naught. There's no shame in how they go about life before God. Or put differently, there's no warmth towards God's truth and his ways. Sure, people might feel horrible or bad if they do something wrong to somebody. But it's never directed towards the God of the Bible if they're not a believer. Rather, it's directed towards self-preservation in this world because we make it about ourselves in the end. For Paul says, those who don't know Christ by faith have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And this leads us to our second point. He rescued us from selfishness. So because of man, mankind's heart is hard towards God, all people who don't know Christ by faith, purposely, Paul is saying, and willfully from what this passage is saying, live in self-indulgence. People without Christ in their life are obsessed with filling the desires of self. And this verse then covers then all the selfish, sinful desires. Everything from sen- sinful sexual desires and, sensual- and sexualities, sinful pra- and, and sinful, uh, sinful practices, narcissism, materialism, our own addictions to hate, to fear, to control. Paul says, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. For there is a wrong way of life. Without Christ, we are doomed to be slaves to fulfilling desires that can never be quenched. Without Christ, we are doomed to be slaves of trying to obtain things that can never be kept. Without Christ, we are doomed to use people as tools and objects as means of creating a false satisfaction with ourselves that will not last. We're doomed to a life of sin. What a downer. (laughs) Yet, remember, Paul is bringing this up to remind the Ephesians and us, this is what we've been freed from. We don't have to live like this anymore. This is not us anymore. We are not doomed to be self-centered and use people and things to gratify our selfish desires 
that always leave us wanting more. We have been freed from becoming more controlling, freed from becoming more oppressive, freed from becoming more judgmental, freed from becoming more enslaved to buying things that we'll never use. Freed from becoming enslaved of building ourselves up at the expense of others so we can feel better about ourselves, even though, even if it just lasts for a moment. I'm better than that guy. Better than her. My marriage is better. My kids are better. My grandparenting is better. My home is better. You know, I don't do that sin. We're freed from that. We're freed from having to constantly have me, 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 me in the focus. And Paul brings this up right in verse 20 so we don't become downcast. He says, but, but, Paul makes a big contrast here, but, and he's, what he says next is really quite profound and not expected. He says, this is not the way you learned Christ. You might say, okay, well, what's so interesting about that? Yeah? Notice what he says here. He did not say, this is not the way you learned the law. He didn't say, this is not the way you learned all the right and wrong things to do in life. He did not say, this, this is not the way you learned the behaviors of obeying or disobeying God. He says something completely different. All of us would go straight to the law. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's not how Paul says we learned Christ. No, he says that is not the way you learned Christ. And this brings us to our last point. He rescued us from working ourselves to death. Paul says this is not the way you learned the person of Jesus Christ. See, Paul here is emphasizing that Christianity, the way you became a Christian, the way you live as a Christian, the way you interact as a Christian is all by coming to know someone on a relational level, Jesus Christ. It's a relationship of you trusting in Him for everything. Christianity is all about knowing Jesus. We learn Jesus. And through our relationship with Him by faith alone is how we are changed. We're changed by knowing Jesus as a consequence of getting to know Him more on a personal level. When we hear the gospel, when we read the Bible... We learn Christ. We are learning Christ. For the word of God is all centered on Christ. He is the living word, as it says in John chapter 1. Chapter one. I recommend reading it. See, Paul, what Paul is saying here, that we overcome our selfish ways, our obsession with self, the more we focus on Christ and His works on our behalf by faith in Him alone, the more we make much of Him and what He has done and who He is, the more it turns out that we end up turning from our selfish and sinful ways. The more we rest in His gospel of grace, that truly it's all done, is the way we die to self-centeredness and the, of, 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 of our ways in life. It is the way we die to sin. Let me give you an example. 
quick example of what I mean. And we'll do it with reading the Bible. When you read, we'll go to the Old Testament, right? That's a big book there. Or a lot of chapters, should I say. When you read the Old Testament, and all those curses for not obeying the laws of God, there's a lot, and it's scary. And then you read all the blessings for obeying God. It's a lot. And they're like, that's what I want. Know this, when you're reading that now, as a believer, right now, Know this, by faith in Christ, because you have faith in Christ, He took all those curses for you that you couldn't live up to. You are not cursed. And you don't get cursed when you don't follow the laws. You don't become cursed. Your life is not a curse when you mess up. Why? Because Christ became our curse upon the cross by faith in him, as it says in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on the tree. When you read the Bible, especially the laws, and you read how you constantly fail at following God's law faithfully, and you realize how unfaithful that you are, read it knowing that Christ has freed you from all the curses that those failures bring. Read it to know Him and His love for you, how much He loved you. He's like, I know you're going to mess up at this. I know you're going to mess up at that. I know you're not going to love your wife the way you should. You're not going to love your husband as you should. I know you're not going to, I know you're going to totally obliterate that politician because you know they messed up hard and you're going to make yourself feel better. Read it to know that Christ said, I'm going to stop all your judgment. I'm going to give you just blessings. I'm going to take all those curses. And when you read about all those blessings that you get from following the law, which you know you do not deserve. I mean, I know I don't. When I really look at my life, I go like, yeah, mm. I don't deserve any blessings. Read it knowing that he has earned all those blessings for you by faith in him alone because he loves you. That's it. Because he loves you. That's it. This is knowing Christ. You learn Christ that he became the curse for you to give you his love. Read the word to know. To know your Jesus and what he has done for you. Read it to know his amazing grace over you and how he will get you through this world to be with him forever even though you fail him every day. His love for you is unconditional for you have been fully rescued and fully forgiven by faith alone in him. He did, he did for you what you could never do and you are saved by what he did for you and not by what you do for him. You focus on how amazing Jesus is who loves you now as his own. And I know some of you may think, because I, guarantee, because I know I think this, and I read the Bible all the time. I'm a pastor. That's what I do. 
I pray and I read and I counsel and I love. If I, sometimes I think if I just focus on only what Christ has done for me and is doing for me, if I'm constantly learning about his grace and how loving and how charitable and how, how charitable he is and how kind he is and how patient he is with me, if I spend my time seeing how Christ has done everything for me, trusting that he has accomplished everything for me, and seeing him as my everything, won't that just make me lazy? Won't I just sit over and roll over and do nothing? Won't that, won't that just make me forget the people around me? Won't that just make me ignore my family members and ignore, ignore my, my own neighbors who live in my life? Paul says, no, no, no. No, not at all. For when, for when we are in the focus and we're not focusing on Christ, that's when we end up giving in to sin of being self-centered. That's the point. He rescued you from you. But if we go to Jesus for everything and direct our life, as Paul has said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, counting everything, every, every, everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, when we focus on him, we end up truly blessing others around us because the self is being put to death because we're focusing on the life giver. There is no life of God outside of Christ. And Christ will give you the power to live that life, a life centered on following after our Lord in all things, and you'll end up loving others around you truly. Jesus even said in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, the point of all this is that Christ has rescued you from yourself. You can't make it on your own. You're not smart enough, but he is. You're not wise enough, but he is. You're not experienced enough, but he is. Christ knows you better than you know yourself. He knows exactly what to do to help you overcome your sin. He knows exactly what to do to get you through your trials. He knows exactly what to do to get you through your pain, even if that's physical. He knows the right way of handling your family. He knows the right way of handling your doubt. He knows the right way of dealing with your boss. For he has come to die for all of it, even if you are the cause of all the problems that are going on in your life currently. He has covered it all. So if we focus on how he has done everything and stop focusing on ourselves, we will live as the free people we already are in Christ. And when we forget such things, sadly, we fall to sin, as so many times I do. But praise be to God that we are saved by grace through faith, and not of works. So I'll leave you with this quote, and I think it summarizes everything we said here today. One person said this, Knowing that God will love you and forgive you no matter what, that His grace and mercy knows no bounds, and that there is nothing you can do to ever tempt God to leave you or forsake you makes a person love God more and love sin less. Not the other way around. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to pray with someone, the deacons will be up here. You can pray with them. Come pray here. You want to know Jesus? You haven't known him today? We're here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us Jesus. 
God, I pray right now that anyone who's struggling, anyone who has forgotten the absolute love that you have for them, remind them, Lord. If anyone who's struggling with seeing that their lives are just failing, that there's a sin that they just keeps coming back, and they say, I can't go back, God, remind them, yes, yes, they can. You sent your son to die for everything for them. If there's someone that doesn't know you at all, God, reveal to them the sin in their life so they can come running to you. God, I pray for all of us that we can just be encouraged in you to know that you have truly covered everything by your grace. And Lord, I pray we can take this message to someone out there. This world needs you. Help us, Lord, to remember your absolute love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.